0: Welcome to the third podcast in our series, The Power of Good, which will explore social value in its many forms, how it's created, why it's important, and the sheer power of giving back to our communities and our planet. I'm Anna Phillips, and I'm joined by my co-host, Marina Lee. Hello. We're members of the charity team here at Footansty. And in our first podcast, we looked at the report by the Charity Retail Association, The Value of Giving Back, The Social Value of Charity Shops, And that report was given a statement of assurance by Social Value UK. Today, we're very pleased to welcome Matthew McHugh from Social Value UK, who will be joining us to talk about that process of assurance and why it's important that social value assessments are assured across the UK. Welcome, Matthew. Hi, it's brilliant to be here. We're also joined by our colleague Patrick Howarth, who's an employment partner here at Foot Anstey and a key contact for many of our charity clients. Thanks for joining us, Patrick.
1: No problem. Nice to be here.
0: So, Matthew, social value is one of those concepts that we all recognise when we see it, but it can be a little bit difficult to define. I thought we could therefore start today's podcast with a quote from Bobby Kennedy in 1968, which Maureen is going to read Gross national product does not allow for the health of our children, the quality of their
2: education, or the joy of their play. It does not include the beauty of our poetry or the strength of our marriages, the intelligence of our public debate, or the integrity of our public officials. It measures neither our wit nor our courage, neither our wisdom nor our learning, neither our compassion nor our devotion to our country. It measures everything in short, except that which makes life worthwhile.
0: That which makes life worthwhile. I think that's just it. It encapsulates why social value is so important to society, doesn't it? But also why measuring it can ensure it's considered in policy and wider decision-making, alongside perhaps more conventional measures, such as profit. Matthew, as that quote sums up, social value is key to society. I wonder if you could start by telling us about Social Value UK's vision, but also why it's so important to be able to measure social value. Sure. Firstly, it's, it's somewhat disappointing, isn't it, that a fantastic quote that
3: sums up social value so well, you know, was uttered so many years ago, and yet it's taken such a long time before it started to take any sort of prevalence. Thankfully, in the UK, we have... And this, for once, is not an overclaim, actually led the way in social value. But we have also been derailed somewhat. So if I strip it back, firstly, when we talk about financial value, we're obviously talking about money, the bottom line, that sort of thing. And when we talk about environmental value, we all sort of then start to think, okay, what's the impact that we have on the planet and the sustainability? And social value can be a little bit more tricky to, to define. But I think really, if you strip it right back, it's just the value that you have on people. And that's usually best expressed in terms of well-being. Social value is, you know, how do we impact people in our decisions? What changes for them? And from our perspective at Social Value UK, you have to find out what the positive and negative impact is. So, for example, we might think that if we're having an away day volunteering, that means that we're doing great things, right? We're helping out, we're getting stuff done. Fantastic. And for yourselves, yeah, you probably are benefiting from some sort of social value because you are thinking, I'm doing good here. But in terms of the impact on those that you're helping, we don't know if it did any good until we ask. And so for us, it's really, really important that we go and have those open-ended questions such as what changed for you. It is really important to actually measure the impact that we're creating. So, so I'm afraid that we have got into a situation in the UK and around the world where there is tick boxing. So you can say, right, well, we had 20 hours of volunteering, tick done, we've done some social value, which is why for us as Social Value UK as a movement, we have that vision of we want every organisation to make more decisions by their social impact. Because if you start to embed it in your company in your policies, then you've got to consider it properly. And it can't just be that sort of additional thing that makes you feel good.
2: That's really interesting, Matthew. And it's very helpful for you to kind of set it out in that way for us and also the listeners to understand it, considering that how we impact people with our decisions, it's really nice to be able to think of it in that nutshell. So then thinking again, in layman's terms, how can social value be measured and then converted to a monetary value? And how then does Social Value UK underwrite that conversion?
3: Okay, so what we we do is we we start out firstly by identifying the stakeholders. Now, stakeholders could be a range of individuals. They could be the local community if you're, um, say, a developer. It could be your employees. It could be your customers. It could be a a broad range of people. Then we conduct or we suggest that you conduct uh, a range of surveys or consultations. And you put those open-ended questions to those people. So what changed for you? From there, we can understand what changed. And we can then start to rank the importance. So you ask people how important those changes were to them. And through that process of waiting, we can then uh, assign financial proxies. These financial proxies can come from a range of sources. A number of Social Value UK's members have toolkits, but there are also open sources out there and Social Value UK also has its own, which we recently relaunched with Envoy Partnership. And this is the global value exchange. So this is an open access database where you can find financial proxies for all sorts of things of those sort of impacts that have traditionally been hard to measure. So if we think of the charity retail association that you mentioned earlier, that SROI report, social return and investment report, a proxy would have been used for um, that feeling of giving back to the community. We'd have put some sort of measure on how important that was to those people, and then translated it to something else that would have been similar. Uh, So how would you have got that monetary value by doing something else? And so you go through this process and, and, and we offer training on this, on social value reports or social return on investment reports, uh, so that you can do this yourself, but also a, a large number of our members are consultants and, and they will help people go through this process. We then supply um, report assurance or report review, depending on how far into your report you are. Quite often report reviews will be sort of halfway through an activity and people want to measure of, make sure they're going along the right line. Whereas Report Assurance, as we saw with the Charity Retail Association, this will be a, a project that's done. We go through with a fine-tooth comb using our eight principles. And one of the key ones in that process is making sure that there is an overclaim, which can be a real problem with social values that people overclaim, claim du- uh, duplicate. And we'll also make sure that those questions that were there are likely to throw up the right results uh, and uncover the negatives as well as
0: the positives. Thanks, Matthew. you. You mentioned the Global Value Exchange, which Social Value UK has put together. Would you like to expand on that? Sure. So
3: at the moment, we're calling for more and more people to contribute. So it's an open access uh, piece of software working with the Envoy Partnership. Yeah, anybody that wants to get involved with that, if you want to head over to our website, socialvalue.org.uk, then please do. But yeah, it's, uh, because we're a movement, because we're a not-for-profit, we want to make sure that as many people can use this tool as possible. And you don't necessarily have to be a member.
0: Patrick, if I could bring you in here, you attended the Charity Retail Association launch of its report on social value of charity shops. I wonder if you could tell us what your view is of the importance of converting the value that we all knew existed into a tangible monetary value.
1: Sure. Yes, I think what what struck me most was speaking to people at the event. So those who attended who were running charity shops, and they told me they're often under pressure from trustees to justify why they might be continuing to run units which weren't delivering a certain amount of of revenue per annum. And they knew, I think, as we all do instinctively, that these shops did more than just bringing in cash for the charity. So they were really excited about being able for the first time to play back to those trustees, probably especially those with an accountancy background, that there was a A real financial benefit beyond what's in the till at the end of each day and I suppose in addition what we went on to talk about was the fact that there are benefits to being able to share that detail with supporters, volunteers and and employees as well.
0: And actually I wonder as a partner in our employment practice whether this chimed with you in terms of the positive impact that such reports might have on employees and volunteers in particular?
1: Yeah, it definitely did. It's something that all employers are looking at at the moment is around engagement, around well-being, and those are big themes in the retail sector. And uh, we know that those working in charity shops and in the, in the sector itself are motivated by the difference they feel they make, and not just by their own pay and reward, or by the fact that the shop is bringing in a certain amount of income for the charity. So I would expect a focus on measuring and communicating social value with a monetary figure will be a huge help with improving engagement of a charity's employees, making them even more proud to be a part of, of that enterprise. And that clearly leads to better retention, well-being, and productivity, and then of course there's a a real emphasis on on how charity shops and charities can secure and attract new employees and new talent into the sector. And I think this also provides a focus for promoting why charity store portfolio is so important for the community. The one thing that we know is that retail can be at times a, a tough place to work. So being able to articulate to potential new joiners the tangible difference they will make beyond serving customers and generating profit is going to enhance that employee value proposition when you're trying to sell yourselves and recruit new staff.
0: And I think it's brilliant that uh, this whole idea of being part of making a difference is something that in itself is social value. You mentioned, Matthew, that individuals will feel good from being involved and obviously we hope that there'll be additional social value to that but that in itself is something of great impact
3: yeah for sure but i, I just want to come at, at a slightly different angle to that yet yeah, the, there is obviously that element of doing good and, and and we saw that with the charity retail association but social value isn't something that's nice to have it's my message to people that think hang on a second we need to look at the bottom line only we need to go through the financial model of, of assessing whether a decision is right or wrong which is the traditional means to say actually You're not going to find true value that way. We need to not think of social value as a left-wing or center or right-wing policy idea. It's not. Because if you use social value practice following our eight principles, you'll understand the impact of the decisions that you have on your employees and your customers. And that leads to greater productivity, better retention, and greater relationships with your, your customers or service users. It also means that you can work far more efficiently as a company. You know, whether you're a private sector, public sector or volunteer sector, if you've got a mission and you're trying to deliver something and you actually go out and speak to your stakeholders and get some really good data from them. And then you find out that, hang on a second, we've been spending X number of pounds wasted because we're not achieving what these people need or want. So this is actually a really good way of having a look at your business plan and, and assessing whether you're achieving the right thing, whether you're putting your resources in the right place. And one of the biggest things and the reason why we're having a lot more organisation members come on board with Social Value UK is that recruitment and retention is difficult at the moment uh, in the UK and they want to actually understand, right, hang on, we've got HR policies, we've had wellbeing policies come in top down, but what would be the benefit of if we look at this from a bottom-up approach? It's not just that feeling, although it is great to measure that. It's to actually look at every single decision. How does this impact your employees? How does this impact your customers? Because you will see the results financially as well.
0: Yeah, so actually measuring what makes life worthwhile actually does have a monetary value in itself and will add to the success of that business.
3: Absolutely, yeah. And we've seen that time and again with our with our members.
1: That's really chimes with me as well, because those two things that, you know, you're going to be asked about, aren't you? About as somebody working in this sector and possibly responsible for portfolio stores or, or for what they return, you're going to be asked about that. And this allows you to be able to, to feedback why measurement's important, what impact it's had. Have you, have you got any other examples for the listeners who might be thinking, well, how would that work in, in my organisation? And how would I sum that up to the people that I've got to convince to, to go down this particular route?
3: Yeah, I think a, a really fantastic example, and I was fortunate to have some great discussions with these guys when they launched. Was the Earl's Court Development Company? So development in this area of London had a lot of roadblocks come against a lot of public backlash. Uh, the London Mayor Sadiq Khan had even stepped in and said, "You know, this is not the right kind of development that we want," and and that sort of thing. And so when the Earl's Court uh, Development Company took over, they employed our member RealWorth. Now RealWorth co lead our thought leadership group on built environment and. They just produced a shining example for how a social value report can really get things moving. So what you've ended up is a development that the community are happy with. And you've also ended up with a development that the developers are happy with because they got it through. I mean, I think they created something around £1.3 million in additional social value. Some of the projects that impressed me were they created a, a pop-up shops area uh, where people who are who in that local community could run a business for a year. They created the Empress Studios which are heavily subsidised creative studios, just over 40 of those, all fully occupied, giving those local people the opportunity to take on creative opportunities in, a, in central London, uh, you know, in an area that would just be otherwise completely unaffordable. There was um, a big investment in trying to tackle people's feelings of insecurity. So there was a lot of projects around antisocial behaviour, Domestic violence, and also working with those who had criminal convictions to try to reduce the reoffending rate in the area. I think that was just over one hundred and seventy thousand pounds financial equivalent in social value. So for me, it was a really good example because you know when people say to us, "Ah, oh, you know, social value is nice to have." Well, actually, this social value report helped get this development moving. So if you're, you know, if you're a business that's got tight purse strings, or you're trying to convince the accountants to free up some money. can say, well, actually, you know what, this is a prime example of where things got moving after years and years and years of failure in that area.
0: It would be really fascinating if you could give some ideas of where you think social value might be impactful in the future. Where do we think people are going to be measuring social value going forwards? And what do you think the social impacts of that might be?
3: Yeah, I mean, to sort of continue with that I Court theme, one of the big things that we're pushing for, we launched a, a general election manifesto a couple of months ago within that we're calling for a change to planning at the moment there's a bit of a danger because we're in a situation in the uk where there's a massive demand for development and infrastructure upgrade but there's also an equal resistance to any development or infrastructure upgrade in your own area and there's a danger that in order to sort of push through development that we lose the democracy and that we lose that stakeholder engagement You know, we're seeing this with the Conservative government's free ports and we're also seeing it with the opposition, Uh, the Labour plans to expedite a lot of planning to ride roughshod really over local authorities. You know, for Social Value UK, we don't really feel this is a a solution because without the public buying into it, without public support, we can't see how you're going to have a successful project in terms of the impact, the well-being of those local people, the impact uh, to the environment. And ultimately, if you don't tick those two things, your financial success is also quite short-lived. There's not a sustainability to it. So, yeah, so we want to see an overhaul. We want to see a change to Section 106. And we want to see legislation that requires social value forecasts and then social value reports for medium to large scale developments. So that instead of, you know, when a planning decision goes to a local authority, they say, oh, well, maybe we need a playground or they request a certain amount of money for the uh, infrastructure levy. And then developers in the local community can't see where that money's going because it's maybe being saved up for a bigger project. So for us, it's about firstly, understanding what stakeholders want from development. So, you know, what does the local community need? Do they need another playground? Do they need another school? And if it is gonna be a monetary contribution, okay, where's the transparency? What's that money being set aside for? So really, yeah, in terms of the forecasts, we want that. But then we want social value reports after X number of years to find out whether that's a good development. And we really think that should be then used as a benchmark when other decisions come forward.
2: Yeah, that's really fascinating, Matthew. That change to planning law and, you know, including those forecasts and report, that is a really big change. And, and obviously, if you're able to then identify where that social value is going and the true value of it, you know, that's massive for those communities and, and for future years to come as well and just thinking about the local authorities that would be sort of involved with those planning changes measuring social value is obviously often key to them and to the funding decisions that they make and i know that social value uk is supporting local authorities use of the data provided by you with with free membership of social value uk in 2024 can you tell us any more about that initiative
3: yeah absolutely so um We thought it was very important, really, to bring in as many local authorities into our movement as possible. Uh, We know that they're cash-strapped, and so what we're going to be doing is hosting roadshows all around the UK in 2024, usually hosted by larger authorities, so county councils or uh, large unitary authorities. We'll be explaining how social value can impact procurement, and the idea is that local authorities will have very heavily subsidised training to our social return on investment and other training that way they they can then start to assess um, procurement bids through a social value lens we know that councils want to do this sort of thing and they just don't necessarily have the skill set or the money so we really want to make sure that local authorities are brought into that and then what we hope to see through doing this is that the private sector the supply chain follows suit starts to follow our our kite marks which we're also looking at launching and then also It should level the playing field somewhat for SMEs and the voluntary sector to also compete with certain contracts. We just feel that if if you are going to assess things a little bit more than just what's the price. I was a local reporter for many years, a local journalist, and um, I've sat in meetings where councillors have judged a decision on. Here's the lowest one. Here's the highest one. Should we go for the middle one? Because that sounds a bit more realistic. That's not particularly a great way to judge something. And I'm not saying that all councillors do that. Absolutely not. But, you know, if there's more tools available for them to make decisions, then I think that can only be positive.
0: Yeah, I think that's really, really powerful, Matthew. And it it's really is about how we can improve those lived experiences and enhance our communities. And social value allows us to judge that and then to judge our future actions based on the information that we gather. For me, that's the most important part of it.
1: I think, Matthew, we're at a point where, you know, a lot of really good stuff has come out of this discussion are there any key takeaways or things that you think the key messages that those listeners need to have in mind as they as they reach the end of this this broadcast?
3: Yeah, absolutely. As soon as you finish listening, go and become a member. That's, that's my first message. Um, I really would encourage it. Uh, we're not a particularly expensive organization to be part of, especially if you're joining as an individual, but I would encourage organizations because we offer tailored workshops so that you can get to grips with our principles and our and our, our way of working very, very quickly. So that's a little bit of a plug for us, but you know, we are a not-for-profit, we are a movement, and we're very much stakeholder-led. So for example, I mentioned earlier that Realworth uh, leading our built environment thought leadership group. Our thought leadership groups are really key in implementing and developing any kind of policy change that we push for. So those thought leadership groups are about building up resources, building up knowledge, and then making sure that in the various areas, be it built environment, education, public procurement, that the government has the right information and makes the right decisions. Because at the moment, the UK is in a, in a, is in a situation where we could be losing the lead that we, we took on social value. And I think it's very important to get back out ahead. Make sure that we avoid that tick box. And in fact, this is the best take home message I can give you. Tick boxing for social value might be easy and it might be more cost effective for you in the short term, but in the long term, it doesn't tell you anything. It doesn't help you improve your business model. It tells you what you wanna hear on that day. We did a brilliant job, but it doesn't help you in terms of your long-term sustainable goals. It doesn't help you find out where you've gone wrong. And it doesn't really more and more help you win a public contract because councils are waking up to the fact that these tick box exercises and these part in the sky figures are ludicrous and uh, they wanna see more evidence and more robust analysis. And when they join us in 2024, they will understand even more and it will become even harder for you. So get ahead and join us. uh, Use the eight principles. I really encourage it. Use proper social value assessments because where our members have done that, they've seen reducements in staff absence for sickness, especially around mental health. We've seen better retention. We've seen improvements in the gender. I'm not going to say the gender pay gap, but definitely gender equality in terms of making sure that there are policies in place that actually take into account the fact that men and women have different issues and then there's lots of things that we just haven't maybe considered you know how does it impact our work so like um, domestic abuse only 5% of UK firms have a domestic abuse policy if you are going home and one in four women and one in six men will come across some form of domestic abuse in their lifetime if you're going home and living in that environment that's going to impact your work so you know whether you want to do it because you want to improve people's wellbeing or you want to do it because at the end of the day you want your finances to be better. Either way, it needs to be tackled, and the only way you do that is going through our process. And, and there's other examples. You know, there's we've got hugely outdated approaches to alcohol and addiction issues in the UK. You know, nine times out of ten, if you if you admit to having an issue, that's you out the door. Even though you know in the UK we have a very boozy culture, work lunches, you know, dinners, free wine at events. If somebody develops a problem, they're all on their own. And I think that really needs to change. So that was my take-home message and I realize it was lengthy. But there's so many aspects to social value. And yes, absolutely, you should be coming into the crisp because you want to improve people's well-being. But if you actually don't and you just really want to see a financial benefit, do the same thing and you'll get those good outcomes. So
0: thank you, Matthew. And actually one of the benefits we've just brought in at Fotansty is a fertility benefit to support people who have challenges in terms of conceiving. And that, I think, is a massive step forward. So I think for every new area that we can think of, there's somewhere where we can help individuals working to drive our organisations forward. That's brilliant, by the way. thank you Matthew Um, and if you want to become a part of that movement just a reminder that you can find out more information on Social Value UK at socialvalueuk.org whether you want to join them as an organisation or as an individual and you might like to know that in our next episode episode 4 of The Power of Good which is out in February we'll be focusing on social value and housing associations as I mentioned earlier in this podcast we'll be welcoming at that time Ben Earle Head of Partnerships and Sustainability for Abri as well as our own Lara Borat lynch head of affordable housing for foot ansty as i say thank you to the listeners for joining us thank you ever so much to matthew McHugh from social value uk thank you for having me on it was
3: an absolute pleasure
0: thank you patrick for joining us
1: thanks very much Anna. i learned an awful lot today as well as uh, participating thank you
0: and from marina and myself enjoy the rest of your day